0: think personal view on therapy I remember being uh, younger probably late 20s early 30s and my perception was if you're going for therapy then there's something really wrong right like there's you've you've admitted failure
1: this is a therapy for dads podcast I am your host my name is Travis I'm a therapist a dad a husband Here at Therapy for Dads, we provide content around the integration of holistic mental health, well-researched, evidence-based education, and parenthood. Welcome. Welcome to this week's episode of Therapy for Dads. Um, This week, this evening, this morning, whenever you're listening, we have another special guest. We have Furkan, who he's a new friend of mine. We met through Instagram, how I've actually met a lot of my guests on this show. Um, So as a positive benefit of social media, which, yes, there's a lot of negatives, but there have been a lot of positives. I've met amazing men and women And he's one of them. And I'm very excited to have this conversation with him tonight. A little quick background of who he is. He has had a career change. And at first he started in engineering and business. And after some significant life-changing situations of first becoming a father and second going through a divorce, he took a deep dive into his purpose in life and making a difference in the lives of others. And through the divorce, he came to realization of how much shame men carry specifically around failure. And this further motivated him to help other men just like himself. And after seeing significant life-changing benefits of going through his own therapy, he decided actually to change his career path to get a degree in psychology with the ultimate end goal of becoming a therapist in addition to that he also runs a podcast himself he runs a men's coaching practice as along with group facilitation to help men embrace their vulnerabilities so I'm very excited to have furcan on tonight this morning again whenever you're listening for us it's tonight. Uh, but who knows when you're listening to this. So welcome to Therapy for Dad's show, Furkan. How you doing?
0: I'm doing well. Thank you, Travis. Appreciate the intro.
1: Absolutely. You wrote it. so
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I was like, yeah, this sounds pretty good. <laughs> no, yeah.
1: yeah. I changed it to the third person. But yeah, you wrote it. So it was helpful. But um yeah, I mean, just there. I mean, there's such a story in that. I feel like reading that was like, I feel like I want to go there as far as the conversation of that whole, that was a just just character arc i just saw this whole this shift of a man and shift of direction and purpose and meaning and direction and men and shame and there's a lot there in mm-hmm. that bio man it was powerful even reading it actually i read it when you first sent it to me quickly at work and then again right now as i was saying i'm like oh this is actually this is powerful like truly powerful like there's a lot packed in this few sentences mm-hmm. so um before we go there though why don't you tell everyone where you're from quick quick intro to who, who you are like dad you know how many kids where, yeah. where are you located stuff like that before we jump in for sure
0: yeah i'm in calgary alberta so just north of the border from you and uh i have got one son he's almost nine um so he'll be nine i'm assuming by the time this comes out but yeah uh that's i mean oh,
1: birthday's coming up. Yeah. when's his birthday
0: July eleventh, nice. Yeah,
1: July eleventh. Yeah, but I, my boys are both July, July fourth and July twenty first. So there we go, right in the middle.
0: Yeah, that's pretty much it. Outside the bio, uh, being a father and um, learning, constantly learning, hmm. making mistakes.
1: Yeah, hmm. I relate to all those things, even as a therapist. As well, you're a therapist, I mean, you're a therapist in training. I mean, right, you're, you're close, yep. right, to the to licensure. Where are we at with that?
0: Well, I, I'm almost done the schooling part, and then I need, cool. I need the practicum hours and start building up the hours before I can become registered. But yeah, a long journey ahead still.
1: Yeah. Out of curiosity, so for those of you who, well, some of you might find this interesting, whether you're a therapist or not, but I'm curious, in Canada, post-grad, what are the hour requirements pre-licensure?
0: Uh, so in my case, I would need to have sixteen hundred hours of practice. Okay. Yeah. Before I can apply, okay. apply. Yeah.
1: Apply. Yeah. And then I'm guessing there's some exams involved as yeah. well. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So similar to here, we have uh, close. We have three thousand hours required, which I think twelve hundred could be. I think twelve hundred. Uh, I don't know if It's been a while. I think twelve hundred could be up like kind of note writing and supervision hours. Mm-hmm. I think. And I think the rest has to be like individual therapy, group therapy, uh, fam- uh, therapy with either couples, families, or children. Because marriage and family therapists, we have we have actually a requirement of having so many hours with either family, children, or couples to kind of meet a particular uh, minimum requirement because of our, our title right. of being a marriage and family therapist. In fact, what's the title up in Canada? I'm not sure.
0: Well, I mean, t- typically it's just registered psychologist and then...
1: Registered psychologist, yeah. Okay.
0: And then depending on what you specialize in, whether it's uh, couples or, or individual, um, and then you have your own mm. separate certifications, like, you know, as you're getting your EMDR one, uh, stuff like that, um, mm. which yeah. therapists can help with as well.
1: Well, that's, it's it's great. It's, it's cool to hear the differences between states, countries. In fact, I, had, I was talking to an, uh, a gentleman from Australia who I think we'll have on soon and they have a they don't really even have a governing board over there. It's interesting. They yeah. need like 200 hours. It's all it's all different over there. Yeah. But they have psychologists. It's all very fascinating how the different, who governs it and where and what's the minimum and the requirements and who could do what. It's all fascinating. Yeah. Um, anyway, that I mean, to me, I find it interesting. So sorry if you found that part boring. Anyone listening to me was more, I wanted to know. I was intrigued. What's the requirement in Canada? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> because it, there's differences and some of it's just weird political stuff. Um, yeah. at least within the States, like between States, we have like, we recognize your license or we don't recognize your license. It's all,
0: yeah, I don't fully get it. It's kind of strange. Yeah. If I'm honest. Um, well, I hope they would so. change those things. Uh, cause we have similar issues here. I mean, with, okay. with all the awareness and, you know, post COVID, uh, we're seeing people speaking up about their mental health. It's important that, Mm. you know, we have the support that they need. So I think sometimes we Mm. lose sight of that, unfortunately.
1: I I agree with that. And I think there's also some weird barriers between states and things because of it. So it's kind of like these laws that say we can't. And yeah, there's some stuff I think that I think can change systemically within our field Mm -hmm. um, big time. So and now for a short break. So if you're looking for ways to support the show and my YouTube channel, head on over to buymeacoffee.com forward slash therapy for dads. There you can make a one-time donation or join the monthly subscription service to support all that I'm doing at the intersection of fatherhood and mental health. And all the proceeds go right back into all the work that I'm doing, into production, into continue to grow the show to bring on new guests. So again, head on over to buymeacoffee.com forward slash therapy for dads. Thanks. And let's get back to the show. So let's jump into just kind of, well, you and a bit about more about you and a little more deep dive into kind of maybe your journey becoming a therapist, maybe a bit about that kind of switch from, hey, you were, you know, on a different track, different path, mm-hmm. and then the life event occurred and then you kind of sounds like it really forced you. Maybe you might use a different word, but something happened where you really had to look inward and kind of existential crisis, whatever you want to call it to say, what's my purpose in life and a big shift and being a dad and, and then a divorce. So I'd love to hear a bit about kind of that journey of what that was like for you and kind of how that brought you to, to where you are today.
0: Yeah, no, uh, absolutely. I mean, yeah, I, I kind of, uh, it was interesting growing up East Indian culture. Um, I'm sure you've heard the stories it, it was very common for for parents to be like well you only have two or three career paths you can take right and you'll hear different variations of it but essentially doctor lawyer in my case i was also given the option of being an engineer so i that's the yeah. one i picked because i felt more relatable uh to that mm-hmm. and yeah kind of did the whole schooling graduated got a good job started building my life up got married started a family and yeah I was just living that dream that someone else had picked out for me and it didn't feel authentic Hmm. and then when my son was born I just started questioning more about my purpose as I mentioned and I just didn't see myself as someone who was going to be working for a corporate company my whole life Um, you know my dream at the time was to be a VP one day, but I was like, well, what's, what does that even mean? Um, how am I helping other people and stuff like that? So I start really thinking about that. Um, wasn't really happy with life uh, or marriage or anything. And yeah, decided to step away from that. And that created a lot of uh, shame around family, friends, the whole aspect of failure, as I mentioned, Mm-hmm. So, there, yeah, it, it got lonely. There's a, there's a period where I felt really alone because I couldn't see my son as much as I would like. I didn't really have anyone to rely on or trust uh, because I felt like I'd failed people. So, yeah, there's some dark moments. And fortunately for me, therapy was the one thing I hung on to that really helped me. Um, initially, it was just having a therapist who would just listen to me talk. And then as I became more aware of my own responsibility of healing and ownership around the patterns I would repeated over and over in my life, I kind of started evolving my journey with therapy, and uh, sought out different therapists who would challenge me a bit more or point me in the right direction. So, yeah, I went through EMDR and that was huge, huge for me. It Hmm. healed, allowed me to heal at least so many childhood wounds or at least forgive myself for for some of the the uh, trauma I may have carried my whole life. So after going through that whole process, it made me realize that, you know, there's so many men that have similar challenges with shame and and they carry that around whether it's from childhood whether it's failed relationships failed careers there's so much shame and that was kind of I felt like my calling and during COVID Mm. I was fortunate enough to start school and and keep on with it to the point where I'm almost done now.
1: What was the and you, you mentioned shame a few times and and I mean even even DR and kind of your culture and, and dealing with the, you said this was interesting the life that was chosen for me,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, that the mom and dad, right. Chose yep. the, Like, this is what you do. And this was kind of the expectation and following that at first, but then having your son, for whatever reason, something happened where you had this epiphany realization, light bulb of like, mm-hmm. huh, do I really, this is kind of what I really want, mm-hmm. you know? And, and then inward. And I'm wondering the shame message you felt, you said failure. So I'm wondering, was that the message? Like I'm a failure or fear, like, is that, was that the message that like the narrative, like the internal kind of like voice of like, that was the message of shame of I'm a failure because I didn't fulfill my parents' dreams or the marriage or was, was that it or was it something else that was your particular shame message?
0: Um, I think it, it was both personal shame and and shame from family. So yeah, I think there was mm-hmm. shame attached to, oh, and I could feel it, um, from family where it's like, oh, well, how are we going to tell people you're going through a divorce? Right. Mm-hmm. And, and the personal shame was like, you know, I had this, for me, it was my picture perfect life, the family, the house, mm-hmm. the car, all of it. And, and that was failure for me too, at the time until I didn't mm-hmm. really shift my mindset or, or change the narrative around the failure. I couldn't really see it any differently. Mm-hmm.
1: And at first when you experienced that, like failure of you know, this picture, perfect life, and then kind of hey this is a failure you know one the shame from the family but internal also your own kind of internal shame of it sounds like almost what you thought that the expected life of what you thought it should be what it should deliver then realization of it's not really delivering i have all the stuff i have the house the the car the job the but there's something missing and so um the realization of the shame like the shift from there like what was that like to kind of come to the realization of that was that I can only imagine how difficult that must have been to kind of have this epiphany of, wow, this is really not, this isn't it. Mm -hmm. And kind of the, the difficulty of making a decision to then change. What was that? What was that like for you to kind of go from that place of that realization to the next step of actually doing something about it?
0: Yeah. I mean, that took me a really long time. It took me a really long time. I remember finally at one point my therapist at the time made me make a checklist of all the things I was going to do to change my situation. Hmm. Um, That gave me some accountability, but I think the reason why I have compassion for a lot of people who are in similar situations, because it's so easy to be comfortable. Like, yeah, I wasn't happy, but I was comfortable. Hmm. And that discomfort was so scary. And, and when I Hmm. did get into that discomfort, it sucked. Not going to lie. There was a lot of days that really, really sucked, but yeah. At one point I had to tell myself that this is going to get better. Like I know it is, <laughs> you know, there's only mm-hmm. one way to go up and, um, uh, and I was able to battle through it and, and it did, I did start seeing the value and the benefits of, of sticking through that discomfort.
1: Mm-hmm. And with that discomfort, I'm wondering a couple of things. One, you got to a place where you th- sought out professional therapy. Um, One is a man, uh, and two, secondary is like culturally uh, being East Indian. I'm wondering, seeking out therapy, was it just kind of like, oh, that's what I do? Like, no problem. I go see a therapist, got it. Or was there some level um, of barrier apprehension, something that kind of was getting in the way where you maybe had to overcome those barriers, whether it's from personally being a man or East Indian or both?
0: yeah i'm
1: wondering if there's something there
0: for sure for sure Uh, it was both cultural and Hmm. my own i think personal view on therapy i remember being uh younger probably late 20s early 30s and my perception was if you're going for therapy then there's something really wrong right like there's Hmm. you've you've admitted failure that's why you're going to seek help and i don't know how much of it was cultural or my own kind of being a man and growing up with the messages we receive as men as we're growing up. Uh, so I don't know how much of that factored in. I think it's probably a combination of both. And I remember getting to a point where, I don't know, I just decided to give it a shot. Like I was, I felt so alone with what I was dealing with. And part of me didn't want to really share it with anyone again, out of the (laughs) shame. So I was like, well, I'm just going to go see this stranger that I don't really know and they don't know anyone and I'm just going to talk to them and I have nothing to lose. And yeah, Yeah. I remember going the first few times and I started feeling better because I was like, "Okay, like I'm not Hmm. crazy. (laughs) Uh, There is something Hmm. I'm Hmm. I'm struggling with and a lot of it is in my control
1: before you did it what was your view of what therapists did you initially said it was you got to be something's really wrong if you're going mm-hmm. like you know something's really messed up for someone to go but what was the viewpoint of like what was the message of like here's what therapists do yeah before you then actually realize what they actually do and now now you're actually trained to be one you kind of oh this is actually what we do i always think of those memes by the <laughs> way you know yeah but what people think I do, what I think, what I think I do, what I wish for, my mom thinks I do, like <laughs> what I actually do. It's like note taking. It's like all this stuff.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um,
1: so I'm always, I always curious, like people's first impression. I even ask this for people if they've never been to therapy. I'm like, so what do you, th- what do you think that I do? Yeah. Like, just to kind of get a sense of their perception, like you know, what they, what we actually do as therapists. And it's funny. I get, I get some very interesting. Yeah. Responses. So I'm, I'm wondering for me, if you think back, what, what was the thought process of like, Oh, this is what therapists do.
0: Well, I, I mean, if I'm being completely honest, I had no clue. Like it's because I'd never really okay. looked into it. I just had a mishmash of stuff I'd seen on TV, you know, whether it was like, okay. you know, in a TV show, <laughs>
1: Dr. Phil or,
0: well, not even that. I think, you know, what was the movie with, uh, Jack Nicholson, and Adam Sandler, anger management. Something.
1: Oh, yeah, anger your, your management. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, or like, what about Bob or yeah, something?
0: Yeah. So, I had images like that, or just the client mm. lying down on a couch and talking, and and you know, the therapist isn't even the Freudian uh, approach, right? Yeah. And
1: I just psychoanalysis, right? Yeah, the, yeah. I
0: didn't really know, to be honest. So I had this picture that I created based on everything I had seen, and you know, it's funny how media mm. shapes our perceptions. Um, so that was kind of my view. And, you know, mm-hmm. I, I think at the time I may have had one or two people tell me they were going. So that kind of and based on my relationship with them, it kind of made it a bit easier to take that leap. Hmm. Just knowing someone directly um, at the mm-hmm. time, it was rare. I mean, it's way more common now, but yeah, M- way more yeah. talked about, too. Right. Like it's very common now for people to share that they have a therapist or they go for therapy. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think it's definitely more normalized. Um, there's still barriers. Mm-hmm. Um, of course. Especially for men. Yeah. I, I think even for women too, but at least working with men, I think a lot of these barriers are still quite prevalent. I mean, I, I, I'd i say on a, at least a weekly, if not every other week, if I get someone new, especially if it's a guy that there's often these barriers, um, whether it's a cultural barrier or, mm-hmm. you know, internal barrier or whatever of like masculine barrier, whatever it is of this. For sure. Um, so you saw therapy, found it beneficial, and then you mentioned you found some other therapist. So it sounds like you realized, okay, I, I had benefit with this therapist, but then found someone else to kind of take you further, which is an interesting concept. So I'm, can you speak to that? Yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely. I, I kind of consider it like more like graduation, in a way. That was mm-hmm. kind of my journey. I felt like as as I started working through issues, and the sometimes, you know, if I felt like I needed to go deeper. I almost had to feel I need a different therapist. Um, What I started finding was like that I wasn't getting enough out of it anymore. So it was time to like Mm. find someone else. And that's what I tried to uh, recommend to other people. Like don't get discouraged if the first therapist you go see doesn't work out. Because quite often Mm -hmm. you may not match with the person or they may not be able to really address what you're seeking in that time of of your life and that was how it was for me at different points of my life i just needed different forms of therapy and then my current therapist whom i've been seeing for three years i finally uh came across her and and she was able to help me through that emdr uh, process Hmm. and i was able to get deeper with some of this stuff as i mentioned the trauma i had carried around
1: Hmm. yeah and i think thanks for sharing that with you know, therapy that um you're right. And I, I, I completely agree with everything you just said that yeah, you know, don't be discouraged. Um sometimes it is the right fit the first time. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, but for a lot of people it isn't. You know, it's it's like dating. It's like in a way, like you're not dating your therapist, that's highly inappropriate. Um, in fact there's laws that would uh <laughs> I'd lose my license if I did that. Um there's there's laws here that we can't date our clients. Even though people do <laughs> it's kind of weird to me. Anyway, that's a whole other topic. Yeah. yeah. That, that'd be actually a fun podcast to record for, for therapists. Or it could be a, uh, it work. could be a good
0: Instagram, uh real fire your therapist. It
1: could be. Yeah. That I should do that. Yeah. It'll, that'd be interesting. Um, <laughs> we're going down a rabbit trail. I just had all this image of, just, I'm thinking of all those books. We used to get mailed these uh, magazines, these like kind of updates of like what's happening in the therapy world. And on the back would be, therapist names that have lost their license due to dating and or sleeping with their clients. Um, Literally. Yeah. So thankfully we have a, we have a governing board, really sad that it happens, but thankfully we have a governing board that removes these people, that removes their licenses and they can never practice again. Yeah. So silver lining, uh, they are removed and that should never happen. Um, Coming back to what we're talking about that. Yes. It's finding the right person because it's important you find that you fit. And, yes. and I like what you said, there's different seasons because you might have a therapist who who walks you through a, a particular, I, I call it like a chapter in your life. Yes. And, and their skill sets were kind of what you needed and very beneficial to kind of get you from that, like that first yeah. chapter. And then they kind of, not that they are no longer helpful or that the season with them wasn't good. It's just that, oh, I might need a different perspective now, maybe a different skill set because mm-hmm. maybe that therapist, they had a certain level of training. Yeah. And then you go to someone else who maybe has a different level level of expertise or something else, different perspective who could then like maybe take you down a little deeper. And then you found an EMDR therapist. Yeah. So these are all like specialties of different <clears throat> levels of training and different types of training because as therapists, we're not, we can't, we're, we're not trained in everything. We, you know, there's as far as being an expert, yeah. quote unquote, um, it takes a lot of time to gain expertise in the kind of these specialties. A lot of us as therapists, as you, you know, you probably, you could probably answer yes to is we're kind of in, in graduate school, we're kind of trained as generalists. Yep. Like we, we kind of know a lot of general things, but there's not a lot of depth yet right. in grad school. yeah And that, that's not really the purpose of grad school. The purpose of grad school is to really give us, it's kind of like, you know, medical doctors, when they go in, they're kind of trained in a little bit of everything. Like they kind of have to know everything, yep. you know, and then doctors go on and they get specialties in residency and like pediatrics or oncology or psychiatry or, they go on at the further their expertise, exactly. um, and that's kind of what we do. And so I love that you said that because for those listening, sometimes you have a therapist who actually is good, and they, but you get to a point where you know I got as far as I can with you, and that's okay. That's a good thing. And then finding someone else who might be able to do something else for you. Um, but it is important you find something you feel safe with and comfortable. Otherwise, again, you're not going to find you're not going to do much work with that therapist.
0: Yeah. I mean, I would um, like to add two things to that because quite often sure. what happens is either if, you know, the person feels like they're not getting any value out of the, the therapy sessions, they'll just stop going. Right. Yeah. Yeah, Cause they'll get discouraged. Or like I mentioned earlier, if the first therapist they go see is in a good fit, they'll get discouraged and just never try again. So just mm-hmm. being aware of that. I mean, I would, and it may, and it's not always for everyone either, but I would give it a fair shot if someone's kind of on the fence.
1: Yeah. I, I appreciate that. And I think it's good for those listening too just to try it, you know. And unless you get like a really bad gut sense that first time, you know. Like sometimes we just have that gut feeling of like something's off here. Yeah. You know. Not that it's just new, but there's something there's something off right you know i'd say listen to it yeah but if it's kind of just like a little nervous a little like awkward a little i don't know yet that's part of it i'd say a little bit of like adjusting to someone and them getting to know you and it's okay to have a little nervousness and apprehension because you don't know this person Mm -hmm. you're building trust with a stranger and you're you know part of the therapies we're asking to go like be really vulnerable you know maybe not like session one you know we kind of gently guide you a little bit but then we can go pretty quick i mean i've had you know we kind of push you purposely to see what we can get away as therapists trade ticket we do push you a little bit to see what we get away with of course in a way yeah yeah you have to test because that's our job is to kind of
0: the comfort level yeah, yeah it's testing yeah
1: yeah it's like where, where where is this person at and how what kind of question can i ask and to what depth am I going with this person and what's their comfortability level? Cause it's, it's feeling, it's kind yeah. of a felt sense too. It's like, where, where are we? And then, yeah. you know, once you get the resistance, which is fine, you kind of, okay, that that's the place where I can kind of rest for a bit. And then over time kind of sit with that and then kind of maybe go deeper. Yeah. I, and that's a, that's finesse. That's definitely a finesse thing. Yeah. I describe it
0: as a dance, right? Yeah, it's a dance and, and you're trying to test. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I mean, and, and I, I think most therapists also check in with the client to make sure they're not pushing too hard or if they don't want to go that deep because some people take time. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Most therapists will check in, you know, things like, Hey, tell me if this is okay. You know, let me know. I say this to mine, like, Hey, let me know if I push you too hard. You got to tell me, um, you know, give me feedback. If I, if I ask a question that's, you don't want to answer, tell me that's okay. Like you, you tell me the No. Otherwise I'll keep pushing, yeah. you know, you, you let me know, um, cause it helps me guide. And, and I think good, most good therapists will do that type of check in to kind of get a sense yeah. of what, where they are to, you know, to help push the client. Cause we, we don't want to push you into like, we want to push you to make things worse. We want to push you in a way that's like a healthy stress, a healthy kind of, you know, anxiety in a way that can help you grow. Yeah. Um, so you did all this work, EMDR, and um, I'm wondering, kind of quickly going back to like the divorce, what did you find most helpful for you navigating that, really this kind of the multi-level dimension of divorce with like family, friends, yourself? Like, you know, it sounds like therapy was definitely a support for mm-hmm. you, but if you were to encourage other people that are going through a divorce or about to.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, I like to kind of separate it into two ways. Um, I think if, if there's children involved, I think your mindset needs to be slightly different than if there are no children involved. And the reason why mm. I say that is because quite often it's, it's easy to get bitter or not really like the other person. And there can be many reasons involved. Um, like the, These types of separations are never easy on anyone. So you Hmm. may see sides of the other person that you've never seen and vice versa. So being mindful of the fact that your children are watching that, right? They're seeing Hmm. everything. And often we let our ego take over and we put our children in difficult positions. I know I did, and I have a lot of regret around that. But at the same time, I also took those hard lessons and, and quickly realized that, you know, I'm making this difficult decision. First of all, I'm choosing to sacrifice time with my child. The best thing I can do is become a better father for him, a better man, mm-hmm. and and that became my focus very quickly. And, and I started to focus on bettering myself rather than the petty things that we often get caught mm-hmm. up in. So so that's, as as a parent, you need to be mindful of that. And, and if there's no children involved, I mean, I would have the same advice, but I think you need to look at it for, for yourself. And one of the things I did a poor job at was looking after myself when I was going through that process. Mm-hmm. I was very maladaptive at times. I was trying to numb everything that was going on. And in that I lost the connection to myself that I had before I got married. So I've taken that time to do that now and it's paid off. And sometimes you need to go through that journey of ups and downs before you take your lessons. Uh, You know, life will teach you the lessons (laughs) over and over if you don't Mm -hmm. learn them. So, um, Mm -hmm. so yeah, that would be my advice. Like connect with yourself because it's a lot to process and it changes us in, in many ways, um, mostly in better ways, especially when, when it comes to adversity. So, so give yourself that space and time to heal, whether it's therapy or just doing the things that make you happy and you feel grounded doing. Take that time mm-hmm. because we, we lose sight yeah. of that.
1: What was uh, one of the maladaptive ways that you look back saying, "Oh, that was definitely not helpful"?
0: Well, there was uh, alcohol abuse. There was I jumped into mm. another relationship immediately, um, just mm. to to numb the the feeling of loneliness. So yeah, yeah, I didn't really take the time to focus on myself and and uh, make those improvements as quickly as i yeah. would have liked but again i i don't yeah i have a strange feeling of, well not a strange but a weird feeling when it comes to that because i feel like i also wouldn't have learned the lessons i did so hmm. hindsight is always tricky when it comes to that
1: yeah it's a tough one it's it i would agree it's hard to say well if it wasn't for those decisions would would you have learned maybe right i don't know yeah Maybe. Yeah. But sometimes we have to, we make these decisions and that help that in a way forces us to recognize and look and have a perspective, say, hmm. So with that, these are some things you did maladaptively, but there's a turning point for you where maybe you realize something. So what was a light bulb moment for you that said, hmm, like I need to connect with myself. I haven't been, I've been numbing, I've been avoiding. I need to, something has to shift. Like what mm-hmm. was that kind of aha light bulb moment for you?
0: Well, yeah. I mean, I had... Uh, This is over the course of, I would say, geez, three years, but I had lots of light bulb moments. But the one where I had when it, um, like when I realized I need to connect with myself, Mm -hmm. it was like a series of events that happened. And and it was just like one after the uh, other. And I was like, okay, (laughs) how am I inviting this into my life? Like, this is not just coincidence this is not me of being a victim that these all these things are happening I'm definitely playing a part and I just decided to change my habits one at a time and I started experimenting and I started feeling better and better so I kept pushing Mm. the barrier pushing pushing and you know I kept improving and I just kept feeling better you know it it was Mm. like Really cool to get that reinforcement um, so so that was kind of like it was just wanting to make a change after like I said series of events and then sticking with it and making incremental improvements
1: and then within that too, um, you 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 said you kind of found your purpose and meaning, and it sounds like what I think I heard you say and correct me if I missed it, but what I think I heard you say was what really shifted was seeing your son and saying, I need to, I need and want to be a better man, better father for him. And that sounds like that was your purpose and driving force to really shift and do things differently. Is that?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I, <laughs> I won't take all the credit for that. I remember having a conversation with my lawyer and I was just, you know, just live it about stuff that was happening. And hmm. And she said something to me. And I remember it was very emotional because I, I started crying because she was like, you know, your son's watching you. (laughs) So like Mm -hmm. you can do all these things out of spite or out of anger or whatever it is, but he's watching at the end of the day, like he's, he's going to remember all this and that hit home. And Mm -hmm. yeah, I, I, you know, that I haven't really struck a chord. Yeah. I haven't really shared that before. So it is, you know, again, mm-hmm. it just, it's powerful because I needed to hear that. And that yeah. became my goal. That truly became my goal. Yeah. Cause I was like, okay, this is, he's watching, like, this is like, I need to do this for him in a way.
1: Yeah. It sounds like in the midst of your own suffering and pain, stuff that decisions you made as well as things outside of your control that were happening. You found your why to kind of bear the, the, the how, right. Mm-hmm. I always think of, you know, Nietzsche, that famous Nietzsche yeah. quote, those who have a why can bear almost any anyhow, yeah. right. That meaning if we have a purpose, we could suffering, we can find meaning and purpose within the suffering versus just meaningless suffering. Mm-hmm. Um, but you found a purpose to shift. So that's why it's for him. Like, it's not just about me, but he's, he's the bigger yeah reality
0: yeah and you and i've talked about offline like i know Nietzsche mm-hmm. is one of them but like even uh victor frankel man's search for meaning like you mm-hmm. know like i and that's the other thing not only was i getting therapy i was reading like crazy like i was reading so many books mm-hmm. and that hasn't stopped i just had this thirst for knowledge yeah. and yeah yeah um Going back to man's search for meaning, like, you know, he talks about it. Like once you have that meaning mm-hmm. or purpose, like you're able to do anything.
1: Yeah. And with that, it doesn't like, it's not like it's not hard still. It's still hard. Of course. It's not like it's, Oh, it's rainbows and unicorns. <laughs> like, Oh, it's great. It's like, no, it's still difficult. It's still mm-hmm. hard and some things are downright traumatic and painful. Like just that's, that's you call a spade a spade. Um, but it gives you that, that purpose, that drive to keep taking the next step. Cause like you said, I'm guessing in those really hard moments, it's like maybe you dug deep and found that that's why I'm, I need to keep taking the next step and mm-hmm. the next step and the next step on those really, really hard, stressful, overwhelming days or weeks when it was, you know, those hard dark night of the soul type stuff where you're just like, man, what is going on? You know? And then, well, I'm doing it for him. And, and, uh, it sounds like two, another supportive system for you was really, um, consuming good, um, I want to say media, but that's the wrong word, but really consuming good writings and texts to learn from others around these topics.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, and it was also being conscious of the people I surrounded myself with and, and Mm -hmm. I remember changing my whole social circle, you know, and that, that's, that's a big deal. Yeah absolutely. And it's not like anything against people I used to hang out with or hang out with now. It's just, I needed different energy in my life. Uh, just more positivity for me at least. Hmm. Um, so, so that was huge too, but yeah, it's, it's everything being, and some of it was on an unconscious level too, but just being aware and mindful of, what kind of energy you let into your life and what kind of things Mm. and information you're consuming. Right. So to your point, reading the books, but also what people would say around you, right. Whether they were lifting me up or shaming me and putting me down. And it came to a point where I was like, I'm Mm. not accepting that anymore. (laughs) I've, I've beat myself up enough.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And that's a, so that's another thing you did. So you, you did quite a few things to help you move through that season. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not just therapy, um, not just connecting with yourself, um, but making practical decisions of, hey, I might need to change the people I'm around. Mm-hmm. I might I need to consume books. I need to change some behaviors. I need to look at my ways of coping, of numbing. Acknowledge that those serve to. Purpose, Mm -hmm. that's my way of coping and surviving. But they also, some of those ways of coping created more suffering. And so, okay, I got to change that. So, you you did, there's a lot of things you were changing as you navigated divorce because it was not just divorce with your spouse, but also kind of, you know, divorce in a way of like your old life, Mm -hmm. your old views, your old expectations of how you thought life would be. And maybe even from like the family expectations of like, here's what I thought I'm supposed to be as a, a good, you know, East Indian man and what. You know yep. of the family, and which not that say all of that's bad, like not that it's evil, but there were some things that you had some dissonance in your own soul of saying, ah, "This is not me," and I'm feeling something different here, and coming to grips with the reality of who, you know, who are you really, mm-hmm. and what is really your purpose on this earth, and then you shifted. You then decided to like, okay, all this happened. Now I'm taking a different path of, I'm now become a therapist. <laughs> And so you decided to get out of engineering and say, okay, now I'm going to go down this path. I just went through a really life-changing couple years, I'm assuming. I don't know how long it took for all this process to undergo, but I'm guessing a few years. Yeah,
0: three to four.
1: Three to four years. That's a good chunk of time. <laughs> and then decided, I'm now, to, I'm now going to become a therapist. So now you shifted. So what was, the, what was the drive there of now becoming shifting gears of now I'm going to go down the path of psychology and therapy?
0: Yeah, I think going through my own journey, I realized, um, I think I mentioned it earlier, but recognizing that I'm not the only one who has these challenges or, you know, Mm -hmm. so many men and women go through divorce and, you know, they have the same feelings of shame, maybe to different extremes. Uh, People struggle with job security, even losing their jobs. They struggle with insecurities and relationship failures outside of divorce too so recognizing that and feeling like maybe there's something i can do to help in my own little way and i don't have to change the world but i feel like you know even if i can help one person that's success because they're gonna they're me being able to help them is gonna impact the the people in their lives so that just multiplies.
1: Mm. Right. So that was, that yeah. became my goal. Yeah. Hmm. I know this is a random question that came up. You said success for me now is to, if I could help one person kind of navigate a season, that to me is success.
0: Yeah.
1: I'm wondering if that was, if that's a different view of success than what you had prior.
0: Oh, absolutely. <laughs> the, the, the view of success previously was like just centered around me and, and whoever, you know, my family So yeah, I want this. I mm. want that so I could do this and I could do that. And it was all me, me, me mm. and the people in my lives, but never like, what? Well, what can I do for others? And I think mm. that's, to me, that's what purpose is. That's where we find meaning mm. when we're able to mm. serve others and, and give back. And, you know, because you have to be in a certain state of mind to want to do that and, hmm. and then you, yeah. Anyways, I, there's not much more I can say. Yeah.
1: No, that's, that's powerful. Um, definitely sounds like, you know, sounds like Frank you know, Victor Frankl and some of the author, you know, philosophers I'm sure you've read. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a service of others and finding, giving yourself away to, to something, someone, some, some cause that's a, above ourselves Cause you find more meaning, you know, cause other stuff, what I've heard is that, you know, you, you get those cars, you get the house, you get the money and then you're like, okay, now what? Mm-hmm. Well, emptiness and, or I got to keep going. I got to get the next car, the next house, yeah. the next paycheck, the next. So then you get there and now what? I got to keep going. Um, you know, I've worked with a lot of men in that, that they get stuck in that rat race. So just, you know, the endless production of, of quote unquote success of the next sale or the yeah. next paycheck, and not that money is nothing wrong with money. Nothing wrong with having cars; those aren't evil. But mm-hmm. it's it's kind of what what we place our identity in. Correct. I would say it's so like yeah. what are we are we putting it in. Is that who we are? Is my paycheck, my cars, my houses, and and what I find when I work with these types of men is that they they're pretty empty inside, and they just get stuck in this endless production.
0: Yep.
1: Um, yep. So yeah and powerful and that was it right like for me
0: it was my my career was becoming my identity and Hmm. there was nothing more that i loved when people asked me what do you do i love that question and now it's like when people why
1: do you think you love that so much
0: back then then. yeah back then because it was my identity it was like someone's asking me Hmm. about me and now it's like Hmm. i hate that question or dislike i don't hate it i (laughs) just i dislike it because it's yeah. like, well, what do you mean, what do I do? Why Why don't you ask me, like, something else, right? Like, what does it have to do with my career? To, like, ask me about who I am, right? And that's why I appreciated it when you asked me what, you know, you know, what was kind of the, yeah. the idea behind it? Because it's like, yeah, that's, that's what I want to do, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: Well, you just said it. So, speaking of, why don't we just plug that now, and then I'll ask one final question as we wrap up and be mindful of the time. Yeah. Um, so you said you knowia. Yeah, so just quick plug first. What is that? Yeah. And then you know how is it linked to kind of your social and everything that you do?
0: Yeah. So you know, uh, as as you uh, picked out picked up, uh, is a Greek word, and it basically means a beautiful mind. And the way it connects is uh, so when I was trying to pick a, a handle for my Instagram or my social media in general uh, or my website, I, I really wanted to put thought into okay, I want it to be a unique word that stands out and it needs to have meaning. So after yeah. research, I came across this word, unoya, which I thought was really cool uh, just by the sound of yeah. it, but the meaning was even more deeper. Uh, the whole aspect of a beautiful mind and that's what i aspire for everyone including myself is to get to that state of mind where you have all this love for yourself and compassion for everyone else that's where i think the most beauty is
1: hmm. and your handle is what you know what's the instagram handle you
0: know as Zen. so the zen is you know, you know zen. yeah
1: yeah, and I'll link it for those who struggle with spelling right now. I will put it in the show notes. <laughs> I will drop it in, so because uh, I'm sure you're trying to figure out how to spell it. We will. I will put it in, so don't worry about that. And then he. You also have a website, which is also unoyazen.com, yeah, correct? Correct. Okay, and that's the best way to find your pod. Is your podcast also named Unoyazen Zen, or is it a different name?
0: Uh, it's EZ conversations, so EZ, easy Conversations. Yeah, okay. playing on the You know, Zen, Yeah, play on words. Yeah.
1: yeah. I like that. So define find uh, Furkan, that's where you want to go. Um, his social media, his Instagram, um, his website. And obviously the website's probably the easiest to get anywhere to his Instagram, to his podcast, to everything else, to his coaching. Um, everything is on his website. In fact, I was there earlier today checking it out. And I'll link that in the show notes. Um, so just scroll down, click on it. There'll be clickable links to find it. It'll take you right there. Don't even worry about it. And for the final question, I think, I think this will be a good question to close out, given our conversation and given kind of, well, purpose and meaning and father, son, I think this is where I want to end is, you know, thinking of your purpose, meaning now as a father and looking at your son and thinking about him, like, you know, as a, when he becomes a man, 20 years from now, 30, you know, 30 years from now, you know, what gift would you like to give him? If you can give him one gift, what would that be?
0: (laughs) That's a tough one. I, I think th- the best gift I can give him is being there to support him whenever he needed it and for whatever, unconditionally, mm. Um, mm. just so he knows that there's someone there he can rely on even when things get tough and there would be no judgment mm. or, or shame. So that's my hope. Um, but yeah, I mean that's all you can do. I think as parents.
1: Uh, yeah. I love that. that. That's a great gift. I mean, I'm wondering if that's the gift you needed.
0: Absolutely. I think we all need that gift.
1: I think so too, if I'm honest. Yeah. Yeah. We absolutely need the gift. Someone just to be present and to support us and to accept us for who we are, where we're at, no matter where if we're struggling or not.
0: Yeah. And that's all we're seeking, um, right? So with that, yeah, that's
1: all we're seeking. Yeah. 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 We're all seeing that. I mean, that's, part of why we come to therapy is I find is people are looking for, cause all of our fears around being rejected, you know, if people know me, if they really see me, I'll be rejected. I won't be loved. I will be not enough. It's all that. All, that's when shame comes in to mm-hmm. kind of come full circle. Shame comes when we don't seek out relationship because we're afraid that if we do, they'll see us for who we are and then we yeah. won't be accepted. Right. So shame keeps us isolated, keeps us alone, keeps us afraid. But then also keeps us stuck from actually doing the very thing we need to do—the antidote, which is to reach yeah. and safe in safe relationships. Right? That's that's the yes. fun keyword because some relationships just aren't safe, and that are toxic that actually cause harm and feed into the shame, Correct. or we're part of the cause of the shame to begin Absolutely. with. So there's, in fact, we could probably have a whole episode on that. <laughs> I mean, now that I'm thinking about yeah. it, like just shame because I love talking about shame. I mean, it's a very fun concept. Yeah, um, I would love that. But on that note. <laughs> On that note, and we should, we'll have a part, I definitely do a second one. I think that'd be, gosh, that's such a big topic now that I think about it. Because I think everyone I talk to, it's always, hey, what's that shame narrative in your head, man? Because we all struggle, with, myself included. My shame narrative was I'm not enough. That was the thing that drove me until I did therapy and yeah. realized, oh, that's what that is, and then did my own stuff and kind of yeah. wrestled with it. Um, and now I know when it comes up. Cause it still kind of, it tries to get its head up from time to time. I'm like, yep, I know you see you like it, it tries, yeah. but it's not successful. <laughs> it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I catch it pretty quick. I'm like, no, you're please leave, get it, leave the door. Yeah. Just go. Yeah. Um, so, but on the note of what you said, the final of like, Hey, I want my son, the gift I want to give him is that what we're all really looking for is the acceptance and unconditional love that I'm here for you and that I'm here to listen even if you don't have it out, even if it's messy, mm-hmm. that as your father, I'm here. Mm-hmm. And, you know, part of that love too, eventually is going to come with challenging your kids as well. Yes. But it starts with first and foremost, that love, I'm here. I love you. And love doesn't mean that I don't challenge, but love means I'm willing your good. As I heard it said once yeah, to will the good of the other. It's one of my favorite quotes on love is willing the good of the other. I want the best for this person. Yeah. Um, and what a wonderful gift. And I think, I think your son will get that. If that's, if that's what you're doing, how could he not? So I wish you blessings on that journey. Thank you. And with your son and to kind of, if that's the goal, man, I, that's a beautiful goal. And that's, that's the goal I want with my kids. I mean, I think about that every day. I'm like, I just want that for my kids. I, I really want, yeah, I don't want to have a barrier. I want to, I want to do everything I can to remove all the barriers so they can come to me and not have to like go elsewhere mm-hmm. <laughs> to say other things. So thank you for being on and sharing your story part of your story your journey and kind of going through a difficult season and some of the barriers as a man some of the negative messages and kind of how you navigated it some of the tools you used and some of the support systems you found and kind of the ultimate goal in life is really giving yourself away for the other and so thank you for sharing that tonight and and i wish you and your family all the blessings thank you
0: thank you for having me on and giving me the space
1: absolutely thanks see you soon Thanks for joining and listening today. Please leave a comment and review the show. Dads are tough, but not tough enough to do this fatherhood thing alone.